Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. I hope you're ready for the word today. And uh, we're in our series called The Crossroad. And we're, we're examining different encounters that Jesus had with people and we're going to make our way next week, obviously, to the cross. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to what God has to do next weekend. It's a big weekend. But I'm excited for this weekend. Every, every time we have this opportunity to open this holy book is a special opportunity. I, want, I don't know if you know that. Don't take this for granted, what we get to do. One day it might be removed from us, and, and we will not freely get to do what we enjoy today. And so I take advantage of every opportunity. I'm excited about today as much as I am next Sunday. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the crossroad, but in particular the subheading or subtopic, your identity. Your identity. And I have a picture that we're going to put up of my grandfather. And this was him. That's my mother on the, I guess, yeah, your left. And, uh, you know, if we ever had to go back in history... To see a picture of what my grandfather looked like, probably, I think he was mid-30s, maybe 40 at, at the most. Um, but that was his picture. My fear is in the future, when people are going to look up what I looked like in my 30s, this is the other image that they would see. And it's a little troubling, although humorous. But, you know, we have a whole generation who are, are hiding behind filters, perhaps. And... Like, how silly. Like, when we look at that, I, I go, my grandfather was like 35, 40. He looks like he was 50 in the photo. And then we look at people in their 30s and say, oh, I thought they were 18 or so. Identity. Identity is so important, yet a lot of us hide our, our true identity. And some of us don't know what our actual identity is. And with God's help today, I want to explore the uh, encounter between Simon Peter and Jesus as we talk about the crossroad. And so last week we talked about the widow at the funeral procession. Her only son died. We spoke about the seven words that Jesus said. This is just a refresher from last week. And Jesus was filled with compassion and he spoke these seven words. If you remember, young man, I tell you, get up. The, The crossroad doesn't have to be some highlight reel, it can be at the worst moment of your life where God finds you and and changes your life forevermore. And as we get into the word this morning, I just want to make sure in case you were not here the previous weeks, when we are talking about the crossroad, what do we really mean about the crossroad? It's a road that crosses a main road. And in our context, the main road will always be Jesus. And we are, people are the, the crossroad crossing the main road. It's also a point at which a crucial decision must be made that will have far-reaching consequences. And inevitably, every situation that we've read about, uh, we've seen transformation. The, The situation was no longer the same after this crossroad took place. And the the crossroad we encounter is not one that is on the surface 
but one that is connected today with identity. So it's not on the surface level that we're talking in this encounter. It's actually below that. It's deeper. And Jesus and Peter are going to start talking about identity. And so my question as we get started is, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Some of you might identify that, well, I'm a carpenter, I'm a, I'm a teacher, and that's how you identify. I'm, I'm an interior designer, or I'm a student. Uh, some of you might still think you're living the dream, and you say, I'm a professional soccer player, or, you know, this is what I aspire to be. And, and that is how you define who you are. And I submit to you something else to think about. I would just say, well, that's what you do. It's not really who you are. You see, I'm a pastor, but I'm also an individual. I'm uniquely created. There are many pastors in the world. That's not unique. Jonathan Manna, I'm unique because God made me this way. Right? So we have to learn to separate what you do from who you actually are. Again, a lot of us... Uh, identity-wise, we hide behind the filter of what I do for work. And, and, and that's kind of when we meet someone, it's what's your name and what do you do for a living? I know we have to start somewhere in a conversation. Eventually, though, I hope we can get to the not surface things, but the real things that matter. It's like, who are, what are you all about? You see, when I talk with people, I, I don't leave that intro part long. I like, I love to get right into things and I let them know what I do. Oftentimes I tell them I'm a pastor and that opens up doors though to get to the deeper things about life. And I, and I love those opportunities. But my question as we get started, do you know who you are? If you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to Matthew chapter 16? As we're going to dive in today. Matthew chapter 16. Why do we stand? Well, we stand not to stretch your legs, although it's helpful, I'm sure. Um, some of you might say, I wish I could just stay seated. We stand to reverence God in this place. We honor God and we value his word. If, if a president uh, or the, the, even Justin Trudeau were to walk into a room where I was, I would probably stand out of respect. Today we stand in honor of God's word as we highly value what he says to us today. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. If you're there, shout amen. amen. All right, let's go. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do People say that the Son of Man is. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we speak about this subject of identity, that you would confirm in our hearts 
who you made us to be, full of purpose and full of life. And God, I thank you this morning for this opportunity to open your, your holy word and to share with your people. Anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart. I humbly approach this pulpit to speak your word alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the time that we do have today, I'd love to just walk through this encounter. You see, Jesus and Simon Peter, they, they've been around each other. It's not like they just met on this crossroad. But sometimes you, you'll walk shoulder to shoulder with someone in parallel, but you actually have a special encounter sometime later. You could be friends with someone, but not really get to the deeper things after a while or after several months pass in a friendship. So Jesus is, is pouring his heart out and his life for the disciples. He's teaching them. He's preparing them. In fact, he called Simon Peter, who was a fisherman. He called him in Matthew chapter 4. He said, come follow me. I'll teach you how to fish for people now. And that intrigued him. He left everything and he followed. So he's been with Jesus for a while now. But there's something special that happens on this day. So our setting is Caesarea Philippi. Let me share with you a bit about that. Uh, Caesarea Philippi had been the center of the worship of Baal to start off with, then the god of Pan, and then of Caesar. And in fact, there was some excavation that archaeologists were doing, and they found the coins, and they had the picture of Caesar on it. And so they, they worshipped these gods, but also Caesar, hence Caesarea Philippi. And at this time, it was an important Greco-Roman city, primarily pagan, Syrian, and Greek population. So this is kind of the setting where they're at, where this crossroad happens between Jesus and one of the disciples. And in verse 13, Jesus opens up the discussion, or he opens up the can of worms, and he says this, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And what we're going to see, because we already read it, it, it goes, Jesus' first question is very broad. Who do people, and it's very obscure, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It's very broad. Son of man, when Jesus uses this, he's actually referring to himself. It's a self-designation. And maybe he had a sense of humor. He could have said, who do, who do people say that I am? But he said, who do people say the son of man is? Because it does have a different connotation. And it points to the true meaning of his identity and ministry. He's a humble servant who has come to forgive common sinners. This is who the Son of Man is, and this is what he came to do. But essentially, uh, he's asking for popular opinion. Who do people, in general, say that the Son of Man is? But I want you to know this. He, though he asks the question, he's not actually concerned about what people's opinion is of himself. It's not going to change who he is. He's just curious as to what, what's the buzz about who the Son of Man is. And in verse 14... The responses that, that he hears are this. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Uh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And you see, why would that be there? Why would they think that? Well, these 
prophets, these are in line with popular messianic expectations that were held in Israel. They were expecting some good prophet to come. So someone thought, well, Elijah never died. He was taken up in a chariot. It, it could be him. And there were various reasons, but they were expecting it to be like a prophet. And in verse 15, now Jesus takes it from broad to very specific. And he says to them, the disciples, but who do you say I am? So there's a broad uh, opinion. There's a popular opinion of, of who the Son of Man might be. But now Jesus goes to those that he's been walking this journey with, doing ministry with. And he says, now, okay, that's what everyone else says. But you who've been with me the longest, who've been the closest to me, who do you say I am? Notice he's asking them, who do you say I am? It's a question to those who are around him. But in this particular instant, Simon Peter quickly responds. Though he asked the question to all of them, it was Simon Peter who responds. And in verse 16, Simon Peter's response was this. You are the Christ or the Messiah or the anointed one. The son of the living God. Why was this important? The son of the living God. Well, they were in Caesarea Philippi, remember? But unlike the pagan gods of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, He is the son of the living God. So there's a big distinguishing factor that he's not just a, a, a Jesus, a Messiah among gods, but he's the son of the living God. You see, this is why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him because he is the son of the living God. And, and this morning, I pray that you get the fresh revelation of Jesus' identity. Though he was fully man, he was fully God. And this is who Jesus is. His identity this morning is not in question. It's not in question. Read the pages of Scripture and you will know the real Jesus. You will know the real Jesus. My goal as a pastor is to preach the real Jesus and to demonstrate, not just me, but all of us, to reflect his true image to this dark world. And he is the light of the world. Therefore, we shine the light in the darkness. So his identity is not in question. But he's interested to know what people think. So it goes from broad to specific. And Peter nails it right on the head. He gets it right. And Jesus goes on to say, Well, blessed are you, Simon, because no one told you the right answer. But you had it. He said, no one, you, there's no way you could have known except my Father in heaven who has revealed it to you. And it's amazing that Simon Peter gets it right. And you know what's incredible? When you know who Jesus is, his true identity, you begin to know what your identity is in Christ. And this is what happens now for Simon. This is what happens In verses 17 to 19, Jesus now responds to Simon Peter in some significant ways. So one of, it's actually one of the most controversial uh, and debated passages in all of Scripture. And you're like, I didn't know why. Well, let's, let's just read verses 17 to 19 for a second of Matthew 16. 
verses 17 to 19, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And the Catholic Church actually uh, defends Peter as being the first pope. And I'm not going to get into all of that this morning, but the Catholic Church uses that. And, and they say, well, Peter was the first pope. And I don't read that in Scripture, but I do see that he says, you are Peter. His name is Petros. Anyone remember the band Petra from the late 80s, right? Some, some fans, like, do you still have the cassettes? Those might be worth some money someday, I'm not sure. But Petra, rock. In this case, Petros. Peter, Petros, rock or bedrock. And Jesus says to him now, and he had Simon Peter, two names. But now Jesus identifies it clearly. He says, no, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And there's even some debate not if he's the first pope or not, but there's also some debate upon, well, what will Jesus build his church on? Is it Peter himself, or is it Peter's confession that he is the Messiah? And, you know, I'm not one for debate, but when you read through it, and if you find some commentary, they all agree and point to the fact that, well, it had to be upon Peter because of how it's expressed in the Scripture. You are Peter. He didn't say, well, Simon... I'm going to build the church upon you and, and upon your confession. But he clearly identifies him as, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, he just said, your identity is known as Peter. I will build my church. And so in this crossroad where Jesus and Peter have this conversation, Peter clearly identifies who Jesus is, and now he understands him to be the Messiah. And in the same interaction, Jesus clearly identifies who Peter actually is. You are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. See, no one revealed it to him, but the Father in heaven. In this passage, we also see the word church. In the Greek, it's ekklesia. And it only appears twice, once in this passage and then once in Matthew 18, verse 17. You have to understand, the church didn't really start yet as we know it today or as we know it in the book of Acts. It started in Acts chapter 2. Who was the first one, by the way, to step up and to preach the first sermon? Peter. Peter stepped up and and. And began to explain what was happening. They heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Then suddenly what would look like tongues of fire appeared on the heads of everyone. And they began to speak in unknown languages as the Spirit enabled them. And people were hearing all of this and wondering what's happening. And Peter steps up. The same Peter who, who denied Jesus now steps up to preach. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. This morning, you might be here. And I'm going to just name some names. I'm not picking favorites or anything like that. You are Abraham. You are Natalie. You are Joanne. You are Supriya. 
your Patrick, your Veronica, your Matthew, your Lisa or Lena, and upon you I will do great things. When you know who Jesus is, you begin to discover your purpose. When you know who Jesus is, you discover what your true identity is in him. Because you were created, how? In his image. So it's important that you understand the deep connection God has to you already. Though you might not have given him all of your life, you need to understand that you were created in his image. God fashioned you. Psalm 139, even while you were in your mom's room, he was knitting you together. He knows you intricately, every detail, every part of your life. You're in your coming in and in your going out. He knows. He watches. He knows your heart. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so you have the opportunity today to meet him on the crossroad. To meet him on the crossroad. And he is a loving savior. Next week we're going we're, we're gonna to preach the cross. That's the crossroad right there. The crossroad is the cross. And even someone on his last breath, he was a sinner. That's why he was on the cross. He was a criminal. But he was a man next to Jesus on the cross. And even he had an opportunity to receive salvation in his dying breath. And so we have an opportunity while we are still alive to understand the identity that God has given each one of us. That's why it gets very difficult in schools nowadays when they say, well, you can decide whatever you want to be. If you feel like you're this, you're that. That's fine. Whatever you say. No, that's really not how God created us. I didn't create me to decide how, how I get to be. God created you and me. And therefore I say, Lord, show me who you made me to be. And God reveals our identity. God is not the author of confusion. So he didn't make you to be confused. God made you to be unique and to be you. See, you, there's already one Jonathan Manna. I'm sorry, you don't have to try to be like me. You don't have to try to worship like me. I remember in youth ministry, there were some youth that, like, if, if I raised my hands at a certain time, they would raise their hands. If I, if I clapped a certain way or swayed a bit, they, they would like, and I'm like, you look like junior me. I was like, don't try to be me. I mean, if I'm encouraging you, great, great. But don't try to be me. Be you. Be who God made you to be. When you worship, express it how God made you to be. Some of us are a little, a little reserved. Some of us are a little quiet. Some of us are not. Be who God made you to be. Because that's your identity. That's how God made you. Some of us are loud around the kitchen table as families. And some of us are not. And that's okay. But be who God made you to be, family. Be who, My wife, you know, with the kids, I don't care. If they don't listen to me, I will let them know. And it doesn't matter if we're at the grocery store or if we're at home. I will speak the same way. Because this is who we are as a family. Obviously, we have to respect certain environments. Um, so and use use good godly wisdom for that but you know who you are when you know who Jesus is you see it's only when you know who Jesus is that you begin to understand who God made you to be you see 
Peter has declared Jesus' true significance, now Jesus in turn reveals where Peter stands in the working out of God's purposes. It's important that we catch that. And, and also this, Peter's confession was encapsulated in a title, Messiah, because that's what he said Jesus was. And Jesus now sums up Peter's significance in the name, Peter, rock, and I will build my church on this rock. And I want you to know that the church that we have today stems all the way back to this book right here. I mean, the music might sound different. Uh, the, the building we meet in might look different. But we are the church right here. We are the church. And the church has not changed. God hasn't changed this plan. We are the church. If God said he didn't need the church anymore, guess what? We wouldn't be the church. But we are the church today. And this is also a part of our identity. And Jesus reveals significance. I want you to know this. Discovering your identity isn't just for you. It isn't just so you know, oh, okay, this is what it's all about. It's not just for you. And it's not based on who you are either. See, let's look at Peter for a second. It's not describing Peter's character when he says, you're Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. In fact, Peter was very unstable. When you read through, you see Peter was a little unstable. He, he was eager. He was very passionate. When he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out of the boat, I'll do it. He was very passionate. But he was also unstable. He denies Jesus. Where was stability there? Where was the rock there? But that's not what Jesus looks at. We will stumble and fall. And Jesus, when he looks at you and when he looks at me, he, he doesn't look at what I do, how I can fail. What he does look at is potential in me. And that's what he wants to point and put his finger on in your life today. There is potential inside of you. When you discover your identity, you will understand your significance. When you understand your identity in Christ, you will understand your significance. See, it's not describing Peter's character. It is actually describing his function and how God wants to use him, his significance as the foundation stone of Jesus' church. And then the last part of our story talks about the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which, in short, in modern day language, it means the church will not die. The church will win every single time. And here we are today, thousands of years later, as the church. And we are here and we are alive. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. Identity. Identity. We started the sermon by asking, do you know who you are? Some of you might feel like you're a slave to fear. Or, or you have a fear in dying even. And you're... You're crippled by that. You're paralyzed by that. Some of you might be a slave to money and to your work. And instead of you're, you're working, you're not working to live, you're living to work. And that's not God's plan either. Jesus created the Sabbath that we would rest as well. Do you know who you are? 
do you know who God created you to be? Today, I believe that God wants to make it clear and plain for every single person in this room. And all I simply want to do is I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you. And all it takes is a crossroad. It just takes a crossroad. You might not know where the road starts. Well, let me give you a great, great tip. Open your word, his word, in your hand. Open the word of God, and this is where the journey starts. God will reveal to you how much he loves you. He'll reveal how precious you are in his sight. You, you might be here and you're a slave to, to men or women or people's judgment of your appearance. I want you to know that God loves you just the way you are. And you are beautiful or handsome just the way you are. You don't need makeup. You don't need a wig. You don't need a suit. God loves you the way you are. And again, there's nothing you can do to earn his love. He freely sent his son Jesus because of love for you. And if you struggle with identity or insecurity even in knowing who God made you to be, start here. And I pray, and we're going to pray now, but my prayer for each one of us is that we never question or wonder, why am I here? Why am I here? What is my purpose? It's, it's okay to struggle or to ask God those questions because we do need to ask and figure it out. But I submit to you the simple thing that when you understand who Jesus is, you will better understand how God made you and your identity. So, Father, today I thank you for your church. God, we are a beautiful family. God, I don't care what any magazine cover would tell me or what any website or newscast person in media and entertainment might tell me. But, Father, I thank you because when I open the pages of this book, it tells me how loved I am and how precious each one of us is in your sight. Lord, I thank you that we are uniquely made with your fingerprints all over our lives. And God, today, I thank you that you're not the author of confusion, but God, you give clarity today. Lord, I pray that as we would seek to know ourselves, we would first look to you, for your word says that we are created in your image. And so, Father, as we better know who you are, Lord, you begin to help us understand who we are. And so, God, today I thank you. Lord, if there's anyone who is holding on to labels that have been spoken over their lives, we break them off today in the name of Jesus. Lord, you call us beautiful. You call us handsome. Lord, if there are any labels that have been placed upon people saying you're not good enough, in the name of Jesus, we break them off because it's not about our performance that you care about. It's about our heart today. And so, Father, today we thank you that when we look to you, Lord, we discover who we are. So, and not only that, we discover the significance or the purpose of why you made us the way you did. And so, God, today I thank you for every single person that can hear me within the sound of my voice or maybe someone who will listen to this on the podcast one day. And God, I thank you that you are faithful, God, that you are a loving God, that you gave your son Jesus. Lord, I pray for the crossroad to take place for every single person that is here, that they would encounter you, Jesus. They would know you for who you truly are. 
And then ultimately we would understand ourselves better. So God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I even lift up our annual general meeting in, in which we will uh, simply flow into in just a few moments. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this place, in every life, and in our church. Lord, be glorified, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.